don't base any decision on seeing a single tweet from someone that you're just seeing for the first time. Obviously, that should be, I mean, I really don't think any listeners of this podcast would do that. But if you are aware of someone's track record, aware of, of some of their previous calls, then you might be willing to take a few shortcuts. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode number 59 of the Tesla Q podcast. I hope you enjoyed episode 58, the interview with Mrs. TQP. And with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the episode number 59. I'm not going to talk about the coronavirus. That's going to be covered tons of other places by tons of other people to much more extent than, than I could possibly give justice to. And I'm sure tons of other podcasts are going to talk about the market action this week where all five days were either plus or minus 4% or more every single day this week. It's going to be covered tons of other places, so I'm not going to talk about that either. What I am going to talk about is the use of other people's ideas as part of your investment thesis. So what inspired this podcast was listening to Jim O'Shaughnessy interview Jim Chanos on his podcast, that's Jim O'Shaughnessy's podcast, Infinite Loops. Uh, this podcast was released, I think, about two weeks ago. I'm recording on the 14th of March, 2020, and also on the 15th of March, so the day before the Ides of March. So watch out if uh, anybody named Brutus is behind you, uh, et tu Brute, if you're a Julius Caesar fan or knowledgeable about literature at all. So I will include a link to that podcast episode in the show notes of this podcast. And with without further ado, a couple quick things. If you want to be a contributor to the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast and become a contributor. I have yet to decide for sure whether I want to accelerate the amount of patron-specific content that is available or just do away with the Patreon entirely and plan to just make gains by trading puts and shorting shares of Tesla in general. So that was clearly a ringing endorsement for becoming a patron of the podcast. But don't despair. I will decide that very soon, one way or the other. I do plan to continue to give ideas other than Tesla. Clearly, the podcast started as the Tesla Q podcast. But I might be rebranding in the near future as the name Tesla Q Podcast may cause some people to immediately be completely revulsed and not want to listen to me at all, which is probably maybe a good idea, but maybe to their detriment. So we'll see what happens going forward. So episode 59 and what prompted me to make this episode. So I was listening to the episode of the Infinite Loops podcast, which is hosted by Jim O'Shaughnessy, and a recent episode, actually I think he's only had three episodes total so far, but uh, the, the second episode was an interview with Jim Chanos, who is a well-known short seller. He remains short Tesla as far as I know. He uh, has a Twitter account, which you should be able to find if you are 
adept at, at figuring things out. I'm not going to say his Twitter name on this podcast because if you don't know, I, I don't know what to say. But I will say this. I highly recommend listening to that full episode. What I'm going to talk about is from about the 32-minute, 30-second mark of that podcast on. Uh, just before that time on the podcast, he was talking about John Law and the Mississippi Company, which is something that I need to read up more on. I, I'm i not well-versed in the Mississippi Company and John Law, but because Jim Chanos mentioned that, that John Law had some very interesting thoughts about currency and, and such, I do plan to go back and and figure out more about what John Law's thoughts were. There was a particular book, or I think it was a book, maybe it was a paper, but uh, John Law talking about currency. And apparently, uh, Jim Chanos, in his classes at the University of Wisconsin and Yale University, it's an Ivy League school you may have heard of, he mentions John Law's thoughts about money as a, a means of exchange, much more than as a store of value. And his, his point in bringing this up in his recent classes is often in relation to cryptocurrencies. And I trust that those thoughts are still relevant today. So John Law is something that I plan to research more about in the future. Just after that segment about John Law, they got into talking about Elizabeth Holmes, which if you listen to the Tesla Q podcast, you are probably very familiar with Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. And uh, they, they just talked about the board composition. Uh, if if you're not familiar, just a, a brief overview. The board of Theranos had a number of really highly, highly ranked uh, in the U.S. government people. Uh, there was at least one secretary of state, maybe more than one, uh, maybe a defense department uh, secretary of defense. I forget the exact composition, but it was mostly older white guys that were on the board, which their race is not relevant, but it was all men. And of course, Elizabeth Holmes is a woman, and they and in the podcast episode, Jim and Jim mentioned that the the fact she was a woman, she may have used that on an agency basis to be given more credibility. Or I, I think it seems like a lot of people wanted to see this this young lady be a super genius and have this great idea that was going to be a multi billion dollar company. So that desire caused them to not sufficiently question what was going on. So the main takeaway was that oftentimes people will follow along with something just because of who else is on a given side of a trade. So I'm going to just read a few quotes directly from that podcast conversation, which I transcribed for myself from listening to it. Uh, We're often swayed by people and not facts. So that's very similar to an ad hominem attack where you go against an idea just because of who's saying it, not because of what they're saying. And that's that's a very, very dangerous thing to do. Uh, and this was Jim, Jim Chano speaking. He said, I always try to drill into my own research team when we're up against a well-known investor who might be long something that we're short. And I might say, okay, that's concerning, but what is their story? What is the case? As opposed to, well, Joe Blow owns it. Because every great short has had really well-known investors who are long it, and every short debacle has had well-known shorts who are short it. And I've been guilty of that many times myself. So that was, that was I think, the most profound quote from the podcast episode where the very first time I was, I was listening to that podcast, it, 
it grabbed me. It's somewhat, I mean, maybe a little bit of a John Maddenism where, uh, when I say a John Maddenism, he's the, the longtime football announcer who would, during the broadcast, he would say something that just on the surface sounds so blatantly obvious. But then if you really think about it, people get, people get to the point where they think about all these other tangential aspects of things and forget about the true essence of the matter. Um, but, but that quote from, from that podcast really jumped out to me. Uh, so they went on, they were talking and they mentioned that Walgreens actually hired a third party consultant to explore the Theranos technology. And this third party consultant came back to Walgreens and said, you guys shouldn't do this deal. And they completely ignored that advice and they went ahead and did the deal. Uh, so that, that helped perpetuate the Theranos fraud longer than it would have otherwise. Um, then Jim O'Shaughnessy said that he sees this a lot at the board level where a board member will say, well, he's there and he's smart as a tack. And, well, the general's in it. Let's do it. Uh, so that's that's just a couple more examples of, of that. And then uh, Jim Chanos chimed back in and said, it's the smart guy syndrome. You have to be careful of it because we all get guilty of it. They're all in it. What am I missing? That should endeavor you to look harder at your thesis. But on the other hand, it should not scare you away if you just can't find anything. And we just came up with that last year on the short side with a well-known situation with a bankruptcy situation. And every time we went to the other side with well-known investors and asked, well, what's your, what's our thesis? What do you guys have? And we got back answers that were consistent and consistently wrong. And it was as if everybody was looking at the other smart investors and saying, well, he's in, so I can be in it. And no one had done the underlying work. It's a killer on both sides of the market, long and short. And again, we stress to our team to work on facts, work on getting the facts, developing what you think might happen because of that, but don't rely on the fact that just the other people have done the work. So my guess in listening to that is that he may have been talking about Pacific Gas and Electric, who went through a bankruptcy. I, I myself, actually, the day that, that uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy was announced for them, I think I bought some, some puts. They're relatively short-term, and ultimately they expired worthless. It was uh, a bad tactical move on my part. And I might be wrong. That may not be what he was talking about on that podcast, but... But the key is not to focus on who is saying something or who is on a given side of a trade, but to focus on what their actual thesis is, what their argument is, what analysis they've done, and not just on who's saying it. So just after that last quote from, uh, from Jim Chanos from that episode, Jim O'Shaughnessy chimed back in and said, focus not on who is saying it, focus on what is being said. It is amazing to me the shorthand that people will allow. I love puppy dogs, says Adolf Hitler. So just because Adolf Hitler, that may be a fully made up quote, but just because Adolf Hitler loved puppy dogs, does that mean that you should hate puppy dogs? No, puppy dogs are pretty cool. I mean, they're, they're, they're small, they're cute, they're often cuddly. They might stink sometimes, maybe not, maybe they don't. Maybe they've had a bath, uh, but... Puppy dogs are pretty cool for the most part. And just because Adolf Hitler may have also liked puppy dogs does not mean that you have to hate puppy dogs. So just a brief little 
quote there that uh, gets the point home pretty quickly if you think about it. Uh, so then from that point, they went on to, into a discussion of the fact that people default to honesty. And historically, that's been pretty essential to survival. Uh, you, if you can't trust your fellow man uh, when you're hunting and gathering, you know, you're in a bad spot. And they talked about discussions with management. And Jim Chanos mentioned that not talking to management has probably been one of the, the best things that he's done throughout his career. Uh, he told a little story about Commodore from the 1980s when they said that they had most of their inventory on ships. <laughs> he said they mu must be the slowest ships around. And then after that, Jim O'Shaughnessy had an anecdote about Enron, and he had a friend who was long Enron and talked to Enron's management, went to some barbecue and, and spoke to them and asked them directly in their eyes, is this all above board? And they assured him that, yes, it was above board. So... Uh, just because somebody says that something is is above board and accurate doesn't always mean that it is. Not not to say that any one particular aspect of Tesla falls into that category, but but there are probably more than one category overall. And then after this discussion, they jumped into a Tesla discussion, which I'm not going to talk about here. Uh, I highly recommend going and listening to that episode of the Infinite Loops podcast, where Jim O'Shaughnessy interviewed Jim Chanos. But the main point that caught my attention was, was what I talked about earlier. Focus on the actual thesis. Focus on the actual numbers. Don't think that just because a certain person is on a certain side and they're smart that they're right. Do your own research. That's, that's a key, key thing is to always do your own research. And with all that said, I'm going to somewhat contradict myself and mention that uh, part of part of why I ended up ever starting this podcast and diving so deeply into the Tesla Q Twitter sphere is because of the excellent level of research that's done by people in Tesla Q Twitter. Over the course of over a year and a half now, uh, maybe a year and three quarters that I've been part of the Tesla Q Twitter universe. Uh, I've always been struck by by how smart the people in Tesla Q Twitter are, and from that, there's been a lot of a lot of good discourse, a lot of good ideas discussed, uh, not just Tesla. So while it is key to do your own research, there have been many good ideas that have been brought forth from Tesla Q Twitter. And as we're in the midst of this coronavirus deal, clearly, you could have shorted about anything two weeks ago in mid to late February, and you would be up on that position today on the Ides of March. But despite the fact that almost anything would have been a good short over this short period of time, there are a few that would be even better than others. And I am going to talk about those, but, but first I'm going to get back to talking about the Tesla Q Twitter community. So despite what I, all that stuff I said earlier about doing your own research, not relying just on smart people's theses, uh, and going with those, I will say that the Tesla Q Twitter community, if you've been deeply embedded in it, as I have, observed people's tweets, observed their ideas, observed how those ideas have played out, you can take a few shortcuts uh, selectively and rely on some other people's research selectively, uh, not as the sole basis of any single investment decision. Clearly, you should have your own process. Uh, your own 
method that you enter positions, your own entry and exit strategies. I highly recommend looking at charts. I, I've taken up technical analysis uh, as a, a hobby over the last two years or so. I feel like I've, I've gotten a good start to some technical analysis. As I said in maybe episode two or three or one of the single-digit episodes of the podcast, uh, there's, there's a few really good resources on Twitter. One of the ones I mentioned back then uh, no longer has a free Twitter account, uh, but one is still tweeting very, very consistently, and that's Jen Sao. Uh, he, yes, he he updates charts with his fingers sometimes. On a, I don't know if he makes them on his phone, but but he makes some excellent charts. Has great insights. Um, I actually have tweet notifications turned on for him, which I don't have for everybody. But technical analysis does work sometimes. It's not hundred percent. But the fact that there are so many people who use technical analysis is almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy and makes it actually work. There's algorithms programmed to use it. So it's not it's not just mumbo-jumbo hooky stuff. It actually does work to an extent. I do highly recommend that it be combined with fundamental analysis. I would love to have enough time to do deep, fundamental analysis myself on a number of different companies, but I don't always have that luxury. But as deeply as I've been embedded in the Tesla Q Twitter community for about a year and three quarters now, maybe a, maybe approaching two years, I've observed enough people for a long enough period of time that I am aware of their quality of research and quality of level of thought and track records in some cases to the extent that I I may be willing to take a few shortcuts myself, I would recommend that any listeners only take as many shortcuts as you feel comfortable with if you're making a position or entering a new position, setting up an exit strategy, etc. But the quality of the community of the Tesla Q Twitter sphere is impeccable. Well, not impeccable. There there are hits and misses, but collectively, if you've observed it long enough. You can tell who's who's pretty smart, whether what they're saying is is well founded, that kind of thing. So, don't base any decision on seeing a single tweet from someone that you're just seeing for the first time. Obviously, that should be. I mean, I really don't think any listeners of this podcast would do that. But if you are aware of someone's track record, aware of of some of their previous calls then you might be willing to take a few shortcuts. That said, if you can do your own research, that's even better because you could you could enter a position before you share the research and other people might think that it makes sense. So with that said, some of the best shorts of the last few weeks, which have been accelerated tremendously because of the coronavirus and in in some ways, I feel a little bit bad that the coronavirus has accelerated them so much because they would have been great shorts regardless. But uh, one of the very best ones has been Carvana, which I mentioned a couple episodes back just before their earnings. They were as high as 115 in mid to late February. I forget exactly what day they hit 115, but uh, they dropped below 50 on Thursday they spiked back up to right about 50 on Friday. I actually added to my short position at, at right about 50 on Friday, late in the afternoon. Uh, another one, 
that was tremendously good and not solely because of the coronavirus is Boeing. They were at 340 as recently as like February 12th or 13th when they tested the 200-day moving average and failed at that test. And unfortunately, I was traveling for work and not, not able to be at a computer those days, so I didn't notice that. I didn't enter a big short position, but they fell from that 340-ish level all the way to under 160 this past week. And clearly, they the coronavirus hitting airlines has had the follow-on impact of hitting Boeing. Also, they've had to... I think they've had to shut down some of their production because of the specific hotspots of the coronavirus in Washington state. So they've had tremendous impacts from the coronavirus, but the 737 max was the primary aspect of the thesis and big, big props to plug in FUD, Elmer FUD on Twitter. He's been hammering Boeing for months and months and months on end. Uh, I've been following it pretty closely since October of 2019 Back when and and subsequent to that, the share price has been over 360 at a, a couple different times. But uh, unfortunately for myself, I did not have a large short position on over the past few weeks, so I did not have massive gains associated with the the recent drop for Boeing. But th- those might be the top two shorts of the past few weeks. And the thesis was not the coronavirus. Uh, The other best short of the past few weeks is very much a result of the coronavirus, and that's cruise lines in general. Uh, Royal Caribbean particularly was up over 130 at some point as recently as February, and it was under $40 this past week. So that's just a huge, huge, huge decline. And Kubico on Twitter was all over that. From from back in February, I again with this one, I totally failed. Didn't didn't notice the call, didn't enter a position, so I missed out on those that huge decline. Which this one is very much a result of the coronavirus. Uh, although their levels of debt were in place before the coronavirus, so their their overall balance sheet and how they have structured their business was not coronavirus dependent. But the recent decline very much was coronavirus dependent. Another another best one recently was Planet Fitness. Uh, it was at about $88 per share just about a month ago and fell as low as about 46 I actually did enter a short position for the very first time uh, just, I think, two, just before two weeks ago. So like at the very end of February. But sadly, again, for me personally, it was a very tiny position. It was uh, basically just a watch list size position. So I think I shorted some shares at something above $80 per share. And I think I covered most of it uh, by the by the time it fell to 60 something or something like that. So I I missed out on a big part of that drop, which is OK. Uh, that one. It's partially just their overall business model and how it was overvalued, but also the coronavirus. People presumed that people wouldn't want to go to the gym and that that would hurt Planet Fitness's business. Another great short recently has been Tesla. Ah, of course I would mention Tesla on the Tesla Q podcast. So it was as high as about $900 on 
like the 20th or so of February. I forget the exact day. I do remember the exact day of the 968.99, which was February the 4th, because I, I actually covered most of my short shares on February 3rd and February 4th, which meant that I could reshort again without having to worry about the wash sale rule as of March the 6th, which I started doing. But uh, as recently as uh, mid to late February, it hit its... Uh, it, it hit above $900 per share for the second time, which created a nice double top formation, which was very, very shortable. Uh, there was a great, great opportunity from about the $800 level when the moving averages were at a certain certain spot. I think the 10-day uh, the moving average and the middle Bollinger Band were both like right at $800 per share. And that was actually what the setup was that allowed me to have my all-time best single day of uh, about a 20% gain across my self-managed portfolio. And that, that was nice. Um, but so Tesla's been as high as about $900 and it reached as low as the low 500s on Thursday of this past week. Clearly, it's still grossly, grossly overvalued based on the level of profit generation that it has shown to date along with the fact that the federal income tax credit is expired. The $1 billion of free cash flow that was reported for quarter four 2019 involved $711 million of increases in accounts payable and accrued liabilities, along with the fact that that quarter involved 112,000 deliveries, and they're not going to have that many in quarter one 2020, clearly. Uh, if you look at the EV uh, eu-evs.com website you can clearly see that the deliveries to Spain, the Netherlands and Norway are down substantially here in quarter one 2020 compared to each of the past four quarters from 2019 so Tesla is what I would say is one of the, the best shorts of this, this period of time although there's still a whole lot more meat on the, the Tesla short bone than there is for uh, Boeing, definitely. Planet Fitness, I, I don't know what to think about Planet Fitness from here. Carvana, I think, is ultimately going to go bankrupt, but I don't know the exact timing. And the cruise ships, uh, those companies probably should go bankrupt, but we'll see what happens. They very well may get bailed out. Uh, another great short position over the last couple months, which I, again, did not have a large position in, was Uber. Somehow it creep, crept back up to about 40 bucks a share based on, I don't know what exactly. I, I was short uh, several months ago from above 30 down to about 25. Then I, I covered my whole position and got out of it. I wish I'd kept a, a position on so it would have stayed on my radar because when it got up to 40, that was pretty, really, really dumb, actually. Uh, I, I did finally remember to reshort it at about 30 three or thirty four dollars a share and it has had fallen from that level to being comfortably below twenty five dollars per share as of Thursday and Friday of last week the 12th and 13th of March so uber from over 40 down to under 25 was definitely a very good short which makes sense uh, with the coronavirus I mean are you gonna want to ride in some stranger's car when the coronavirus could be uh, a contamination threat in that vehicle. I, 
it's a the 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 thesis just makes sense. And another uh, company that I think is a great short. It has fallen a bunch just within the last week or so because the entire market just fully dragged it down. But from my opinion, it was a great short on it on its own. That's Netflix. Uh, it was hanging out above the 380 mark, uh, even even when the coronavirus was actually starting to hit uh, North America and many many other companies. It it was levitating around that 380 level because people were were disillusioned or mistaken in their simplistic thinking of oh people can watch Netflix at home while they're quarantined, so Netflix won't get hit hard by this coronavirus. But it's not a matter of Netflix being hit hard. They burn cash like nobody's business, uh, to at least historically. And people being quarantined at home from the coronavirus is not going to cause incremental subscri- incremental increases in subscribers. Uh, so, yes, Netflix will get used more if people are stuck at home quarantined, but those people were most likely already subscribers anyway, or had access to someone's account who is a subscriber. So the incremental revenue increase from the coronavirus for Netflix is quite small, whereas for another company, for an example, Zoom has done really well so far with the coronavirus. They do video conferencing in a uh, very easy-to-use platform but they get they actually will get more revenue by people using their service more whereas Netflix I feel like yes people will definitely use it more but people using it more with the monthly subscription model is not going to give them incrementally more revenue so Netflix w- was hovering around 380 it's fallen down to about 315 it may have jumped up from that I don't remember exactly what it closed at this past week, but in my opinion, it does still have some meat on the bone. I do plan to cover my sh- my Netflix short position, maybe around the two two fifty ish level. I may start covering it around two eighty ish. I haven't decided for sure, but I do think that it's still overvalued at its present price, uh, based on the the fact that they have continually had to issue new debt to fund their production. Uh, I. I think their production, Disney's production, and some other companies' production shut down over the weekend uh, because of the coronavirus. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, one other short that I'll mention is Aon, A-A-O-N. They make HVAC rooftop units, uh, ground source heat pumps, and those types of things. They were just overvalued uh, as of a couple weeks ago, and... Our good friend Kubiko, who also brought the cruise ship thing uh, to light on Twitter substantially, he he mentioned Aon in a random tweet, and based simply on him mentioning it, I took a quick look. It was clearly overvalued to me. Uh, their market, uh, per, just providing HVAC units, not a super high growth market, but their valuation, they were getting like a 30... 35 PE or something, something crazy like that. So I went ahead after my quick look, I did do my own research, uh, but he brought it to light. I did my own research to the point where I was comfortable with opening a short position. I opened it. Uh, I think I shorted it at about 56, $57 a share. And lo and behold, with the coronavirus, it fell to the lower forties. I think I covered it on Wednesday or Thursday of last week. And it, it was 
very good move to cover it then because it actually had a big rebound Friday with the the speech at the end of the day on Friday that caused the share price of lots of things to spike up. Uh, but over this weekend, we had further coronavirus news and the Fed lowered interest rates to 0% and announced something like a, I think it was a $700 billion injection, QE5 maybe. I don't Maybe it's not officially quantitative easing, but maybe it is. And the futures then immediately... I think they opened at 6 p.m. tonight on the Ides of March, and within 15 or 20 minutes, I think it was under 20 minutes, they had been down 5%, so they hit the limit down, and no more trading of futures until tomorrow. But the Asian markets apparently are trying to be green, so we'll see what happens tomorrow in the market. Who knows? But uh, the main topic of this episode was don't rely solely on which other people are on a, on a given side of a position to make your own decision. Do your own research. But if you're part of Tesla Q Twitter and you've followed people closely and recognize people who do good research, that can be a very good starting point for your own research. So keep that in mind. And uh, I do highly recommend that... I don't know what I highly recommend. My wife walked in the room... And it is messing me up. Hey, guys. I'm going to delete this part, though. <laughs> Actually, no. I'm not going to delete that part. I'm going to keep it in there. But uh, keep watching the markets. Self-quarantine if you need to self-quarantine. Don't be afraid to use other people's ideas, but follow up with your own research to the extent that you need to before you enter a position. And try not to regret if you miss out on a great short opportunity like myself with Boeing or with the cruise lines and with Tesla be sure that you're positioned the way that you feel like you need to be positioned don't take your advice from me but do your own research and I appreciate you listening go to patreon.com slash podcast if you'd like to be a contributor and if you want some shorty merchandise go to evacuationboy.com I think he made a mug of uh, some of Elon Musk's non-genius that he puked out onto Twitter last week. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye.